Welcome to Zazlo Show 2.0, presented from day one by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. You're dealing with any kind of accident, any personal injury, slip and fall, motorcycle, car accident, bike. Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys, 800 747 free. That's 800 747 3733. Title sponsors from day number one. No. Before day number one of Zaslow Show 2.0, my guys Mark Anajar, Glenn Levine, Ellie Anajar, they believe in me. If you're listening to the show right now and you're dealing with any kind of personal injury, I'm sending you to my friends, Anajar and Levine, accident attorneys. You don't have to deal with the insurance companies. You don't have to deal with the medical bills. You need to focus on getting right. That's where they come in. They handle all the stuff that you don't want to be bothered with. You need to make sure you're getting healthy and they're going to make sure you're getting the money that you deserve. Anna Jar and Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE. That's 800-747-3733. Proud title sponsors of Zaslow Show 2.0. Hey, if you've been searching for a refreshing beer that feels like you're back in the Caribbean, well, search no more. Proud sponsor of Zaslow Show 2.0, Johnny Cuba. It's a lifestyle. We're talking European roots with a Caribbean soul, a refreshing German lager in a can. That's right. Pick up a six-pack of Johnny Cuba, Sedano's, Presidente, Win dixie Got great six-pack deals going on right now. You got... Hot sauce, that's right, made from selected Caribbean habanero peppers. You know your boy Zaslo loves the hot sauce. Go pick up some Caribbean soul in a can. Johnny Cuba, stay tranquilo. If you're a homeowner, you need to make sure you have the proper coverage. And that's why I'm sending you to Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. The Zaslow family uses Brunt Insurance and Financial Services because we know that if there's, God forbid, an issue with our home, we need to know that we're covered properly. From Pensacola to the Keys and beyond, Brunt Insurance and Financial Services delivers comprehensive insurance and financial solutions tailored to your needs. Since 2013, Brunt Insurance specializes in home and auto insurance. Bruntinsurance.com. You could also check them out on social media at Brunt Insurance. Look, the market's confusing. Let Brunt Insurance sort it all out for you with their fully licensed staff, and they know the area. The Zaslow family uses Brunt Insurance to make sure that they're covered, and that's why I'm sending you to them as well. Bruntinsurance.com. 954-589-2204. Welcome aboard. This is Zaslo Show 2.0. Welcome! Zaslo Show 2.0. It is a Thursday, the 20th. 4th of August. Good to have you aboard. 
presented as always by title sponsor of Saslow Show 2.0, Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. If you've been involved in any kind of an accident, if you're dealing with a personal injury from a slip and fall, motorcycle accident, boating, a car crash, Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys, 800 747 That's 800 747 Glad to have you here with us today as we got week three, the final preseason week of the NFL gets going tonight. You got a pair of games, Pittsburgh at Atlanta, Indianapolis. Anthony Richardson is going to start. They're at Philadelphia. The games are on NFL Network and Prime Video, respectively. So I'll be checking out Indianapolis, Philadelphia. Interested to see what Anthony Richards looks like tonight. You got the Dolphins this weekend, preseason game number three against Jacksonville. But today, we got a great show planned. Now, it's Thursday, which means you know we do a couple things every Thursday. Number one, mailbag. That's right. We got another edition of Zaslow Show 2.0 mailbag coming up today. You guys can always hit me up at Zaslow Show. Always, that's on Twitter. Always on Instagram at Zaslow J. And on Thursdays, we do mailbag. I send out a note either the night before or in the morning to try and remind you guys. So we got a handful of questions here. The more questions we get, the more fun it is. So we got mailbag coming up on the show today. And remember, nothing's off limits. Anything you got, sports, music, uh, you know, uh, media, whatever you got going on, movies. I can't name everything that the questions can be about. I'll be sitting here forever with you. You get it, all right? So we got mailbag coming up. Also, Jamie Eisenberg, CBS Sports fantasy football expert. He joins us every Thursday as well. We're going to do fantasy football with him. If you got your draft coming up, you'll get some of the advice. We'll talk about some of the injury concerns. Where's, uh, you know, has there been any movement as far as first round draft picks and that whole deal? I got my draft. Nobody cares about your fantasy football league. But I got my draft coming up next Wednesday night. So this will be the last time that I talk to Jamie before I do my draft. So I, I got to really sink my teeth in today. So Jamie will join us coming up. And how about this? Very excited about this. You guys know I'm a huge music fan. Especially 90s, alright? And one of the all-time great rock bands. And from the 90s. Still going today. Still out there today. Touring right now are the Smashing Pumpkins. Billy Corgan, frontman and founder of one of the all-time great rock bands, the Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan, is going to be on the show today. That's right. We got Billy Corgan on the show today. Now, we're going to talk to him. We'll talk about music. We're going to talk about Smashing Pumpkins plenty, I promise. But you may not know, Billy Corgan, not only is, a, is he a huge pro wrestling fan, but Billy Corgan actually owns... And he's the promoter. He owns the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, which is the most storied pro wrestling promotion in the world. And this weekend is NWA 75, 75th anniversary of the NWA. NWA 75 on pay-per-view this weekend. So Billy Corgan is making the rounds and he's going to stop by on Zaslow Show 2.0. We'll talk some pro wrestling. We'll talk about NWA 75 this weekend and also... Uh, Smashing Pumpkins! We'll talk about music with him. So, I'm super excited to be joined by Billy Corgan. That, that's an amazing guest. So anyway, first though, the run continues. 
I mean, they haven't even played an MLS game yet. It's amazing. I told you yesterday, so Inter-Miami back at it last night, but still not an MLS regular season game. Matter of fact, Inter-Miami's first MLS game with Messi, as long as he plays because the schedule has been crazy, is this weekend. So this Saturday, in just two days, Inter-Miami is at New York Red Bulls. I got to figure, Messi may not play. He's 36 years old because then the next game after that is on Wednesday, a week from last night, at home against Nashville. Now, Messi will like, he's going to play in that one because that's a home game. But if Messi plays this weekend, you're talking three games in eight days. I don't know that Messi's going to play this weekend. And, and, and that's, you know, here's the thing. Inter Miami needs all these games. All these games in the regular season for MLS. Only 12 games remaining. So can he afford to miss the game? Maybe he only plays half the game? I don't know. That's neither here nor there. Last night, semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup. Now, the U.S. Open Cup has been going on for over 100 years. Apparently, it's a very prestigious tournament that takes place here in North America. So the U.S. Open Cup continued last night. Inter Miami is in the semifinals last night. I I don't remember when the previous games were. They were a couple months ago. So Inter Miami semifinals last night at Cincinnati. Now, the reason this is interesting, Cincinnati is first place in MLS. Inter-Miami is last place in MLS. So while Inter-Miami has been kicking the shit out of MLS teams in the League's Cup, now you're playing the first place team. And so now we could really get kind of a measuring stick as to where they stand and what may happen the remainder of the regular season for the MLS. Well, Inter-Miami fell behind 2-0. They were down 1-0 at halftime. They're down 2-0. They would get, uh, uh, they would cut the lead in half. A beautiful free kick pass from Messi right in front of the goal. Leo Campana, he heads it in. Beautiful. 2-1. to one. That was in like the 65th minute. So we got a game now. And then we got 90th minute passes. It's still 2-1. And we have eight minutes of stoppage time. Plus eight minutes stoppage time. In the 98th minute, in what was probably the final minute of stoppage time, the 98th minute, this is what makes... See, even in a game like last night where Messi doesn't score, it only takes one touch. And Messi, when he's got the ball, he is always so dangerous. Messi miracle. Seemingly able to save it. He might find it! And repeat, there's that combination again. The madness of Messi arrives. Astonishing pass. He doesn't pull passes. A rabbit's out of his magic hat. He pulls kangaroos to sink his flamings into the hearts of the flying Garys. A wonderful finish from Campana. But again, Lionel Messi. Drops that pint of beer into the shot glass at the other end of the bar in a different village. If Messi has the ball, something can happen. And again, Messi puts it right... I mean, a pinpoint pass right to the front of the goal. Leo Campana again with the header. The goalie had no chance. 2-2 in the 98th minute. And Inter-Miami sends the game into extra time. So this tournament, you do extra time, 
15-minute halves, not golden goal, to 15-minute halves, and then if you're tied there, you go to penalties. Inter Miami then scores two minutes into extra time, Josip Martinez, but late in the second extra time session, Cincinnati ties it up. They go to penalties through the first four rounds. Each team has scored, but here's the thing. If you're the goalie, if you're Drake Callender, who was man of the match in the League Cup final, and he was amazing in penalties, you only got to stop one. And going into the fifth round, Cincinnati is shooting first, and then Inter Miami would have a chance to win it. Makes himself big. It's Haglin denied! Callender keeps it out! Days removed from a man of the match performance. In the League's Cup Final, Drake Callender comes up big once more. Cruelty of life, uh, Hagland, and celebration of life for the ever-impressive Drake Callender. California Golden Bears hero reads his eyes, reads his feet, and his opening of his body angle, and gets down and dirty, and performs his heroics. And now 18-year-old Ben Kramaski from Miami, Florida, trying to send into Miami into the U.S. Open Cup final. Kramaski! It is a fairy tale in pink. A team transformed days after claiming a first trophy for the club. They're headed to a second final. So cool. First of all, how good's Ray Hudson? Really cool having him on the call there last night. I hope you were able to watch the game because it wasn't Apple Plus. So for next time, look, it was on Telemundo, so hopefully you found it on Telemundo. But otherwise, you stream it on the CBS Sports app or on Paramount Plus. I did it on Paramount Plus last night. That's a new channel called CBS Sports Golasso. So, like, I had a buddy of mine. It's like, hey, I can't find the game on Apple Plus. I go, CBS Sports Golasso. So we were watching the game last night in the Zaslow Mansion family room, me, my younger son, and my wife. And Drake Callender comes up huge again. You only got to make one save. If you're the goalie, you do your job one time, one save. If every other player also does their job and scores one goal, you win. And in dramatic fashion, Callender makes the save. And then Bena Kramaski, local kid, plays. You know, my son plays for Weston Select. He played for Weston FC. So local kid and Kramaski gets the winner there. And Inter Miami has a chance for another trophy. September 27th, next month, is the final. They're playing Houston. All right, Houston Dynamo. They beat Real Salt Lake City last night. So now the final, and I believe the game is here at Dry Pink Stadium. The U.S. Open Cup final, Inter-Miami, Houston Dynamo, a chance to win another trophy. And Inter-Miami moves to officially 8-0 with Lionel Messi. So, is he going to play this weekend? I I don't know. My guess is he won't play the whole game. Because like I said, three games in eight days is what you're looking at right now. That is some kind of schedule. But this magical run with Lionel Messi continues for this Inter-Miami squad that all of a sudden is so exciting. You got to watch. Come on. You got to watch. What are you doing if you're not watching? I don't know if you know. I'm an inaugural season ticket holder for Inter Miami, so you know I'm way into it. But man, and I love soccer anyway. It's so much fun, and we're watching just thriller after thriller. And this, I can't wait now to just just to know 
how the MLS regular season is going to play out. They have to go on, there ain't no with Messi, but they have to go on a crazy run to make the playoffs. I think you probably got to win nine, maybe 10 of your final 12 MLS games just to make the postseason. I'm so curious if they can actually pull that off. And if they do pull that off after right now 8-0 with Messi, then they're like the hottest team in the world, all right, if they wind up making the postseason. And they could wind up being the favorites to win the entire MLS Cup. So, so cool. Best sports town, center of sports universe, South Florida. Everybody knows that. So that's how we wanted to start off the show today, all right? Some more of that Messi magic. He And, of course, Messi scored the first. Uh, again, he takes the first penalty. He scores. Of course he scores. But two assists. He assisted both goals to Leo Campana. Both of them headers. Amazing. So cool. Obviously, speaking of cool, you know I slept great last night. I was super excited about Inter-Miami, but also because I'm sleeping on sheets and giggles. That's right. Naturally softer, cooler, more breathable, more moisture wicking than cotton. You never sweat through your clothes and through the sheets anymore. You're so cool. You fall asleep immediately. I'm sleeping through the night. And that's courtesy of what my man Colin, founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles, what he's pulled off. He's done it. Not only has he found a way for all of us to sleep so comfortably, but he's making sure that it's through a process that's super environmentally friendly. See, we're talking sustainably made sheets through uh, from the wood of eucalyptus trees. They're grown on sustainably managed biodiverse farms. They don't touch ancient or endangered forests to make the sheets. And matter of fact, two new trees are planted on their farms every time one is harvested, all right? And you want, you want to talk about a huge South Florida sports fan. Your support, my man, Colin, like I said, founder and CEO, he lives out there in Colorado, but totally reps South Florida, loves Miami sports. He's obviously from down here. But most importantly, we all want to get the best sleep possible. And hey, how about not having to worry about where you're going to get your sheets from? I don't ever have to worry again. Sheets and Giggles. Sheetsgiggles.com. And the first time you order from them, use promo code Zazlo. At your first checkout, you'll get 20% off your order. Sheetsgiggles.com, promo code Zazlo. You'll get the best sleep that you've ever got. All right, every guest that joins us on Zazlo Show 2.0, of course, is is brought to us by the official beer of the program. We're talking Johnny Cuba, European roots of the Caribbean soul. You can pick up a six-pack of Johnny right now. And don't forget, always drink responsibly. Joining us here, of course, you, you know him from one of the frontman, founder of one of the all-time great rock bands, Smashing Pumpkins, but also owner and promoter of probably the most storied wrestling promotion there is out there. And that, of course, is the NWA, who has their 75th anniversary show this weekend, Fight TV, two nights this Saturday and Sunday, the 26th and 27th. Thanks a lot for joining us, Billy. I appreciate it. Everybody down here in South Florida knows I'm a huge pro wrestling fan, even though we're a we're a sports show primarily. So it's really cool to have you aboard here. And of course, the NWA. So I I have I'll tell you like this. I have a good friend of mine, his all-time favorite band is Smashing Pumpkins. I say, hey, Billy Corgan is gonna be on my show tomorrow. And he had no like he was stunned when I said, Hey, he he owns the National Wrestling Alliance. So do you still get some of that? where they're like, wow, I didn't know Billy Corgan is so big into wrestling. Yeah, um, I've been in professional wrestling now for over 10 years, and I've owned the company for about six. 
And uh, yeah, not a day goes by where people go, what are you doing? You're totally insane. I had no idea. And then they're even more shocked when they find out that I own the NWA, which is the oldest professional wrestling body uh, in the world, 75 years uh, as we speak. So it's been a very interesting journey, both from the music side and then also from the wrestling side. I'm curious, when you purchased the NWA, do you have to kind of prove yourself to the guys and girls in the locker room that, you know, you have everybody's best interests involved? You don't want to be viewed as a carpet bagger. You want everybody to know that, hey, listen, yeah, I'm Billy Corgan smashing pumpkins, but, you know, th- this is this is serious business here. I want the NWA to be as successful as it used to be and even further than that. So what what was like the transition like there when you first purchased the NWA? Well, honestly, it went back a little earlier to the spirit of your question, which was I was working for a company called TNA, which many fans now would know as Impact Wrestling. Um, the company at the time was owned by Dixie Carter and was a successful company. Uh, you know, at their peak, they were making about 40 million a year. They were the, probably the second biggest wrestling company in the world at the time. Uh, and uh, so I went to work in the front office on the booking committee, but also producing uh, behind the scenes. So that was really the first time, and this goes back about seven, eight years ago now, that was the first time where I really started interacting with talent on a daily level, uh, shooting vignettes, you know, the promos when the camera, would, uh, when the talent would talk to camera, stuff like that. And talent was really surprised that I was in there, not just to be a figurehead or, you know, provide some financial or uh, celebrity support, but I was actually going to be in the trenches and work with the talent. So I kind of made my rep in the TNA days. So when I bought the NWA, a lot of the people I worked with in the beginning had already worked with me. So I was kind of already past that sort of point of doubt. And uh, looking back, it was frustrating because I thought, you know, look, I've been in the entertainment business for a long time. I made 25 music videos. You know, it's just at the end of the day, it's the video production, television. Um, But, you know, wrestling is very particular in how it views outsiders. And I had to sort of navigate that coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Like, for instance, I mean, you know, I I grow up, I'm a little boy, I'm a huge WWF, WWE fan, and they'll bring in music acts to whatever big show. And yeah, like they'll get booed out the building because if you're from the outside, like the wrestling fan, the wrestling community, they're very skeptical of the outsiders. But I would imagine when you it sounds like you were grinding backstage with these guys, like so you earn their respect when they see you working on all the behind the scenes stuff. Well, the key thing in the business for the talent is, can you help them get over? And uh, for people who don't know what that means in the wrestling language, it means, can you raise their value on the open market so that when they do an autograph show um, or they're hired by an independent wrestling uh, company, you know, they're worth more on the street in terms of their value. So that's where you really make your mark. When you start to show that you can work with them to up their value in the marketplace. And that's something the NWA has been very good at doing and taking uh, talents that have been uh, disregarded, overlooked, discarded at times, repackaging them and giving them the opportunity to show why they're talented and why they deserve value in the wrestling economy. And uh, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. You really have to understand the business. It takes time. And I didn't grow up in the business, so I had to kind of get a crash course to it. Do you have a, I feel like everyone who's a huge pro wrestling fan like you, like myself, we have that moment that we kind of fell in love with pro wrestling. Do you remember what it was for you? 
Yeah, I would have been about four years old watching the professional wrestling on Chicago television um, in the Dick the Bruiser, Crusher, Baron Von Raschke, those types of guys, uh, Vern Gagne, Bobby Heenan, Blackjack Galanza. So that's what I was watching. I was four with my great-grandmother who was 80 and a Belgian native, barely spoke any English. So if you can imagine that contrast of watching this very surreal television product, not really understanding what I was watching, but I was watching my grand great grandmother sort of enjoy it and so that's that's sort of where i this journey begins you know about 52 years ago and back then she she thought it was serious fighting back then well you know we call that the era of kayfabe and up until 1980 something 89 maybe when vince mcbann admitted yes it's it's staged combat i believe was the term he used um and really, they did it for tax reasons, if anybody ever wants to investigate that. It wasn't because of some altruistic thing where they finally admitted to the public they, they'd pulled this, uh, this contrivance for years. The thing about it was it came up out of the carnivals, and it was important to convince the fans or the Marxists as they're known that what they were watching was real. And that it become, begins the art of professional wrestling. How do you convince an arena full of people, in WWE's case, sometimes a stadium full of 80,000 people, that what they're watching is not only real, but to those that know that it's not real, they like a good movie, they lose themselves in the excitement and they just get into the action. And uh, and that's the beauty of professional wrestling. It it has such a strange background, but when it's done right, it's really fantastic. And of course, if you're a fan, you know what that is. Everybody pretty much has a good idea of good and bad professional wrestling. It's funny because when you say for tax purposes, they had to kind of let you behind the scenes. I think it was for a show in New Jersey at the yes. time, if I'm remembering correctly, that's so funny. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's that sounds accurate. Yeah, they were getting killed because on taxes because they were pre presenting it as a legitimate sport. Yeah. And I think Vince had figured out that if he said, no, it's just entertainment, they would save a whole lot of money. So they just flipped the switch. And, you know, what's funny about it is, of course, many people owning the NWA, you hear about it all the time. They're sentimental for the era of kayfabe where wrestling pre was presented as real. But to be fair to Vince and everything that followed, wrestling has only gotten bigger ever since. Yeah. I think that's probably what held it back was a lot of people were like, come on, there's no way that this is real. There's no way people could take that level of punishment. NWA 75, 75th anniversary show this Saturday and Sunday. It's taking place in St. Louis, but of course you could order on Fight TV. You're on the world as a vampire tour right now. I know you were here this past weekend in West Palm Beach. I was working that night. Otherwise, I would have come to see you guys. I've seen you guys a couple of times. How do you find the balance between NWA and right now touring with Smashing Pumpkins? I'll give you a perfect example. Um, we had wrestling on the show yesterday. We actually had wrestling in, in West Palm the other day, too. <clears throat> so during the day of the show, I was dealing with the wrestlers and dealing with booking the card. We had five matches in between the bands yesterday. Then I played a show. It was about 105 degrees on stage, uh, killed me, uh, passed out about three times, took a nine-hour bus ride to Philadelphia, got off the bus at about 10 o'clock this morning, and I immediately started working on the NWA 75 and the television tapings to follow cards. So um, there's there's the answer to your question. It's just I try to find work when I can. I'll get right back to the conversation here in a second, but if you're in the market for a new car, maybe you can't decide where to go, hey, that's not a problem. I'm sending you to the only car dealership 
I personally endorse. Yeah, we're talking North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. At North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, you're going to see the widest inventory of newest Subaru models on the market. Whatever you're looking for, maybe you're looking for something spacious, an SUV for the family. Maybe you're just looking for a Subaru sedan for your daily commute. Whatever you're looking for, North Fort Lauderdale Subaru is sure to have the perfect model for you. At North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, we're talking the North Fort Lauderdale Subaru promise. That's guaranteed most money for your trade. Three-day exchange policy. You're out the door 90 minutes or less after you say yes. 100% credit approval. Lifetime vehicle warranty. You could shop right now. NFLSubaru.com. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, conveniently located on North Andrews Avenue, just north of Cypress Creek Road. The building you know and the place to go. NFLSubaru.com, North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. How far out do you find you have to write or at least help write shows? How, how, how far are your sites set? About three, three months generally. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and how many people, I mean, you must have a handful of writers too, like you're not the only one. No, sir. I write all the shows by myself. Um, I, I write and uh, book everything. Wow. And work with Pat Kenny, who many fans would know is Simon Diamond from his uh, TNA and uh, ECW days. Uh, Pat runs uh, talent relations. So ta- he deals with the talent and I deal with everything else on the creative side. Of course, we talk at times because it involves c- contractual structuring and things like that, where we're going with the booking. But, you know, about 97% of the decisions are made by myself alone. Uh, and I don't even always tell everyone what's happening until the day of a show. Uh, because, you know, sometimes when you open that door, you get to people start politicking you. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a, a labor of love and something that worked very hard to do to bring the NWA back to international prominence. When I bought it, people laughed and said, you're buying something that's completely worthless. Don't bother bringing it back. Uh, even Eric Bischoff himself, uh, somebody I would consider a friend. Uh, said it was a mistake for me to bring it back. But here we are six years later running our 75th anniversary show. And look, it's like the same thing I went through with the band. People told me I was crazy. You can't do it. You'll never make it. And you're never going to tell me that because I did make it. And everybody that told me I was wrong later came back and apologized. So hopefully there'll be a day they'll say the same thing about the NWA because I, I believe the upside is there. So you own and you're writing for the most storied wrestling promotion there is in the NWA. Do you feel uh, like what's the sense of responsibility that you feel to that? I mean, you're writing the NWA. Well, it's difficult because uh, wrestling, like a lot of other things, entertainment has a trendiness to it. But I believe the real upside of the NWA is not to be trendy. And I've taken a sort of contrarian course there in trying to bring back what I would call mainstream wrestling for the mainstream fan. Um, many fans have walked away from the major promotions, not because the wrestling isn't great. They just don't understand what's happening. It's too nuanced. It's too layered. And for, for someone like myself, you know, who grew up in the seventies and eighties, wrestling was an easy, real upsell. You either got into it. You believed in dusty roads versus, you know, the road warriors or whatever you either got it or you didn't. And uh, these days, even myself in professional wrestling, I have a hard time following what's going on. There's a lot of subculture stuff. There's a lot of internet stuff, and I get yeah. it. It's it's a different world, but I do believe that wrestling's at its best when it reaches across the aisle and reaches everybody, every political, social divide possible. Um, and I I believe that's when wrestling is at its best, and that's the bet I'm making on NWA is that we can bring back a very mainstream product to a very mainstream audience. So Tyrus, of course, who I mean has been in the wrestling business for a very long time. 
is the NWA world champion. I know the main event, EC3, is taking him on this weekend in a bull rope match on night number two. But I am curious what your thoughts were and if there was any hesitation on your part where, you know, the, the political landscape in this country is in such a strange place. And of course, Tyrus is a regular contributor on Fox News, and he's got the NWA World Championship with him there on television for promotional purposes. Amazing for you guys, obviously. But was there any kind of trepidation because of obviously the wild political landscape that we're in in this country? Yeah, that's always a difficult question to answer. And um, I guess the simplest way I would put it is you cannot let outside forces determine the course of your promotion. Um, it's the same in my musical life. I have people in my ear all the time, do this, don't do that, say this, don't say that, and you name it, any number of causes, any number of agendas. And I think they're all valuable. I'm really a libertarian in that sense. I believe everyone deserves a seat at the table. I believe everyone deserves to be heard. But when you start getting into excluding particular people because of their backgrounds or what they may or may not represent, I just can't get with that because I don't think that's America. I think you have to let everybody sit at the table and you should duke it out in the realm of public idea. And uh, yeah, so no, no trepidation. Now, locally, uh, I'm, I'm friendly with some of the guys who run a couple of local promotions here. BRCW, Boca Raton Championship Wrestling, CCW Wrestling. They're both a lot of fun down here in South Florida. And NWA has been working and doing some shows down here with BRCW, right? Yeah, I, I, I actually have been vacationing the last few years over the winter in, in Boca. And I saw that uh, they were running and I thought, wow, this is very these are very, very credible cards. So we reached out to him, talked about doing a co-promotional type of thing. Uh, one of our wrestlers or one of our champions, Kerry Morton, son of Ricky Morton of Rock and Roll Express, is the NWA junior heavyweight champion. And I saw he was working down there. So he was kind of the conduit. And we put together a, a versus card, you know, uh, NWA versus uh uh, Boca Raton Championship Wrestling. So it went very well. We we filmed it. We put some of those matches up on our YouTube channel, the NWA's YouTube channel, and we hope to do more stuff in the future. I'm looking to try to bring back the regional and territorial feel of the NWA. Uh, it's still baby steps to work it out because, you know, it's, of course, it's their promotion. They deserve every um, uh, respect in that. And, you know, you can't just come in and say, well, you got to do it this way and it's got to be this way because we're the NWA. So working and trying to find that common ground is, is something worth uh, working towards. But um, yeah, look forward to it. And they're, they're doing a great job down there. Who was your favorite wrestler growing up, Billy? Would have been Dick the Bruiser. Um, he was, the, he was the, the biggest star in Chicago all through the 70s into the 80s. Um, an absolute legend. And um, he really represented the, you know, the, the working class ethos. Uh, in many ways, he was the he was the archetype for what would everyone would know, like a Stone Cold Steve Austin, the hell raising, beer drinking, you know, guy at the end of the bar who was willing to take on the whole the whole room. But somehow he's a baby face. You know, traditionally, that guy in wrestling up until Dick the Bruiser showed up somewhere in the late 50s, early 60s, that would have been a heel. So he created the prototype of the kind of the anti-hero as a baby face, the good guy who was who was willing to take on the biggest bully. But but in a way that was different, he was brash and and uh, he certainly he, he certainly thought he was good looking, too. So um, that stuck in my mind as 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 being outsized. And of course, there's a lot of parallels with in entertainment music business. Sometimes you can have someone who's so outlandish that they almost become a baby face um, where normally most people would recoil from a personality. They're attracted to certain types of personalities. 
so you you certainly, I mean, obviously you love pro wrestling. How do you keep the love for it as a fan? Because it is now also work for you. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say this, uh, out of 365 days of the year, if I'm a pro wrestling fan, at least more than half of those days, I'm doing all right. Because there's a lot of days in pro wrestling where you just think it's just not worth it. It's just too complicated. Uh, just to give you an example, uh, with NWA 75 coming up uh, this weekend, I think we have something like 80 wrestlers coming into the building over the two nights. And then when you add additional personnel, there's probably about 130 to 140 NWA people in the building at any given time. So that's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of egos, a lot of distractions. Somebody's always complaining about something. Somebody always did or said something. (laughs) And uh, you have to navigate all that. Um, But look, wrestling runs as a sort of interesting business in that most people who work in professional wrestling, they don't work for me. They work for me like on a per date basis. So I don't really have any control over what they do in their lives. Uh, you know, we have wrestlers that do only fans. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things today. There are unique challenges to 2023, but unless they're an actual employee of the company, there's not much I can say. I mean, it's basically you meet in the middle and you try to do good business. That is historically the way professional wrestling has worked um, for the NWA in particular. So um, it's not always the easiest navigation and not everybody has the same uh, focus on what's best for the NWA as you do. Billy, I know that you are uh, obviously you're you're a huge. Well, I shouldn't say obviously. I know you are, but you're a huge sports fan. You're a Chicago guy. I know you're a Cubs fan. You're a big sports fan. So I, I want you to fill in the pie chart for me here, okay? Between your love for sports, Chicago sports, pro wrestling, music, what's the pie chart looking like? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Well, music has dominated my life, so we'll give it at least fifty-one percent. Um, the Cubs, uh, you know, we're going through another rebuild, although they're doing a good job right now. So, um, you know, I can't say my love for the Cub wanes, but my interest at time wanes. Uh, I'd say it's probably, you know, it's a pretty even split there with wrestling and, and the Cubs on the other side of the pie chart. OK, um, once you're born into the Cubs thing, you know, you can never escape. You know, my grandmother was a Cubs fan. She was 162 game a year, you know, listen on the radio type of fan. So. You can never get that, you know, that the smell of the ivy out of your nose, for lack of a better analogy for today. What was it like for you as a Cubs fan when they finally won? What was it 2018? Uh, was it 2016 already? 16, maybe. Yeah. What was yeah. it like for you experiencing that? Well, you know, uh, luckily enough, MLB was uh, able to get me tickets to the g- game seven in Cleveland. So I was hit 10 rows back behind home plate. Not a bad seat to watch the Cubs win. Of course, everybody remembers that Cleveland came back in that game. Cubs yeah. about blew it. And then finally, because of course I was there for the Bartman game too. I wasn't there for the goat stuff, but I was definitely there for the Bartman game. Um, remarkably, here comes a rain delay. And how long was that rain delay? It was, I, th- I believe I could be wrong. It was either 13 or 17 minutes. But um, And when they came back in the field, it was like they were a different team. They, their body language looked different. They looked very focused, and they ended up winning that game. So, uh, look, my grandmother lived about 103. She never saw the Cubs win a World Series. She was born in 1911, and you could do the math from there. So, Matt, wow. she lived 103, never saw the Cubs win a World Series. So I started thinking I'd be like my grandmother here and go all the way. So at least I got one, and hopefully there'll be more. I'm still a young man. That's great. Uh, finally here, you, you know, again, NWA 75 this weekend, Fight TV. You could order it, 75th anniversary show this Saturday. 
and Sunday night. The world is a vampire tour. One of the all-time great rock bands, Smashing Pumpkins, of course. Uh, do, do you still, do you, how do you make sure you keep, uh, I, I guess not energized, but how do you make sure you still enjoy playing all of your songs from all of these years for, you know, the longtime Smashing Pumpkins fans? How do you make sure that it doesn't get monotonous for you? You learn to um, put yourself in the moment that you're in. So what I try to do when I'm singing a song that I wrote 30 years ago is I don't try to sing it like I sang it 30 years ago. I don't try to sing it from the same emotional place. So, for example, if I'm singing a song like Disarm, I instead of thinking of myself like I would have 30 years ago, I think about my children. My children are very young. And uh, I think about how I've been able to provide them a different and better life than the one that I had. So I try to come at the song from a different perspective. It also helps... Um, that we're looking out at a lot of young people all of a sudden for whatever reason, whether it's streaming services or uh, being used by Rick and Morty, suddenly there's tons and tons of young people who are coming to our concerts. Probably 50% of the audience is under 25 all of a sudden. Wow. So when you hear that sound coming up at audience, you see that enthusiasm, it takes you back and that makes it a little bit easier to connect to your youthful energy. Well, but it is a ch- not not in a negative way. It's a challenge because the audience deserves a fresh performance. Uh, I think we've all been there. We've gone to see a legend that we like, and we feel a little bit that they're phoning it in. And there's a kind of a disappointment, like, hey, they're playing my favorite song, but gee, I wish they could be a little more into yep. it. I've tried not to be that person. And at times it's a struggle because, you know, I, you know, I don't know how many times I've sung, sang a rat in the cage, but it's, it's we're probably up there about 2,000 times at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like rat in the cage anymore. So I got to come at it from a different place, but it it does tend to work that way. One of those songs, maybe, maybe it's from Siamese Dream or maybe it's from Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Was there a song that you wrote from one of those early albums that, I mean, became just huge and and you you didn't understand, like you didn't expect everyone to gravitate toward it the way that they did? Bolo with Butterfly Wings, the the rat in the cage song, as everyone calls it. That just totally shocked me. the, I wanted a different song to be the first song off the album. And the the, the record uh, president at the time, a man named Phil Cordero, called me at my house. I could still see my stand in the kitchen on my uh, my kitty phone. And uh, he's telling me, look, we got to read at least the song first. I'm telling you, this is a hit song. And I said, but the song's so stupid. <laughs> and he said, I'm telling you, it's a hit song. OK, you got to trust me. You got to trust me. And it was it was a massive song and it's still a massive song. Um, in fact, I, the song is being used in the new Dracula movie that's coming out. I was sitting there with my kids the other day. I forgot I'd given permission to have the song and we're sitting there watching the trailer and suddenly my voice wafts up out of the speakers and I about fell out of the chair. I totally forgot. My kids are looking at me like, was that you? Um, yeah, it's amazing. It, you put it this way. You can write a song and you can think it's the best song ever. And everyone thinks it's a bomb. No yeah. one cares. I mean, it ain't going to be playing it at your funeral. And then you could write something in about 20 minutes. You think, oh, that's not bad. And you're 30 years later and people are still asking about it. So it's amazing. It's 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 something you can't predict. Um, but, you know, kind of like baseball, if you can get enough hits, they'll keep you around. How old are your kids? Uh, seven and four. Okay, so I guess it, it, I, I would probably have to ask you again in a few years from now. But, like, do, do you feel like they're – is that going to mean anything to them when they when they realize, you know, daddy is the front man and founder of Smashing Pumpkins? Like, are they going to oh, no, care? They- Oh, they figured it out already. <laughs> Trust me, they figured it out. They're pretty aware. Um, they see they 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 were just on stage with me the other night, actually in West Palm. 
So they were dancing on stage in front of, you know, a good 15,000 people there. Um, now they're pretty aware. I don't think they really understand what it means because yeah. obviously they don't have a global perspective, but they know when we go into a restaurant, you know, it's not uncommon for someone to come up. Uh, it is pretty funny because sometimes a guy will come up and I'm, you know, I'm friendly and nice and, and the guy will walk away and my daughter will go, how do you know that guy? <laughs> you yeah. know? And I'm like, no, he just knows me. He's just a fan of daddy's band. So it's cool. Um, you know, they live a pretty wonderful life. So I don't think they've connected all those pieces yet, but um, they definitely understand what dad does for a living. Smashing Pumpkins right now. The world is a vampire tour. Again, like Billy said, they were just here a few days ago. NWA 75. It's a monster show. 75th anniversary. Night one and night two. This Saturday and Sunday. Fight TV. Billy, I really enjoyed this. I appreciate Look, you're clearly very busy. I appreciate you spending some time here with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for the support. And I'll see you on the weekend, everybody. Thank you. Excellent job by Billy Corgan. I, I, I got to tell you, look, I don't, not, I don't get starstruck anymore, okay? And not that I was starstruck with Billy Corgan, but that's Billy Corgan and the Smashing Pumpkins. Like, that's one of the bands. And you know I love music, and it's one of the all-time great rock bands. That's, you know, I, I grew up listening to them. Not my favorite by any stretch, but love Smashing Pumpkins for sure. I've seen them a couple times, took my son about five years ago and saw them for the first time a couple years before that when they were touring with Marilyn Manson. And that re- that that was very, very cool. I-, I hope that resonated with a bunch of people, music lovers and also who are my age. And mainly, look, he's, he's, he's doing shows right now. He wants to promote NWA, but I-, I think we got in some pretty good Smashing Pumpkin stuff there. I think we got in some pretty good music stuff there as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. And yeah, that's, that was really Billy Corrigan. And by the way, it's always so refreshing when someone who's so super famous like he is, I mean, he's a rock star when someone who's so super famous like him, I found him to be super nice and super pleasant. And that's always really refreshing. By the way, if you are a pro wrestling fan and you're listening right now, and that's the NWA and you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, Zaslow. How did you not ask him about Terry Funk? So Terry Funk, WWE Hall of Famer, former NWA World Champion, one of the all-time great pro wrestlers. He passed away yesterday at 79 years old. It's a major loss, obviously, for the pro wrestling world. One of the all-time greats, one of the all-time most influential pro wrestlers, Terry Funk. He passed away yesterday. Zaslow, how do you not ask the owner of NWA about Terry Funk. And full disclosure, look, you know podcasts aren't live, so you're you're listening right now in the future. But full disclosure, got the news about Terry Funk's passing right after I sat down there with Billy Corgan. So I recorded Billy Corgan, and maybe like an hour later, got the news about Terry Funk passing away. And, and I felt bad because I would have wanted to ask him about, give me some thoughts about Terry Funk and the legendary career that he had. So, you know, if, if, if I knew that and then I don't ask him, that's a bad job. So I wanted to make sure I gave an explanation there. We did not have the news about Terry Funk at the moment when I had sat down with Billy Corgan. So there you go. All right. All guests on Zaslow Show 2.0 brought to us by the official beer of the program. 
Johnny Cuba, European roots of the Caribbean soul, a refreshing German lager in a can. And of course, you can purchase a six pack of Johnny Cuba, your local Sedanos, Presidente, Winn-Dixie, Fresco y Mas. Always drink responsibly. And of course, don't forget Johnny Cuba's mantra state, Tranquilo, CBS Sports fantasy football expert. Everybody knows is Jamie Eisenberg. He joins us every Thursday, helping us get ready for those week's games. Thank you for joining us today. As always, Jamie, looking forward to the season getting going. And we got a couple games tonight. Let's actually start with that. So we have Steelers Falcons tonight, NFL Network, Colts Eagles tonight, Prime Video. Let's start with Steelers and Falcons. Is there anything in particular that we're looking for that we're interested in with tonight's game? Yeah, two things in particular. Thanks again for having me, Zaz. It's always good to talk to you. Um, two things in particular for the Steelers offense. One, the passing game so far through the first two preseason games has been awesome. And if that's going to be a change, Kenny Pickett looks great. Uh, the receiving core we know has got a lot of upside. Deontay Johnson's been very good. George Pickens looks like a breakout candidate. Pat Fryermuth, a good young tight end. Uh, so I want to see if they're going to continue to be very up-tempo with their passing attack because that'll make me more encouraged and more excited to draft those guys. The second part of it, though, is probably the bigger story is, is this going to be a Najee Harris game or is it going to be a Jalen Warren game? Because we've seen Warren sort of take over the passing downs role and be more involved just overall. And that's not really been a Mike Tomlin staple. Usually he uses one running back. So Najee somebody that's falling in drafts. Jalen Warren is quickly rising. And if we have another strong example of Warren being on the field more than we expect, then that's going to just drive the price down for Najee Harris. For the Falcons is really more of can Desmond Ritter look competent? Will we get more wow moments from Bijan Robinson? Because he's going to be a first round pick. All right. So let me throw in some questions about individual guys there. Where do we like Kyle Pitts? And, you know, everybody's still getting ready for their draft. Like I haven't even done my draft yet. It's next week. The season doesn't start for another two weeks from tonight. For those who have not done their drafts yet, where do we like Kyle Pitts? So Pitts is anywhere from tight end four to tight end seven. You know, just depends on what rank list you look at. For me, he's tight end five. I just think the four guys ahead of him, you know about Kelsey, Andrews is safe. Uh, I like Darren Waller as the third tight end and TJ Hawkinson fourth. But after those four guys, I'm looking for who has as much upside as those guys. And I think Pitts has got more upside than Dallas Goddard and at this point more upside than George Kittle, uh, barring an injury in San Francisco. So there's more downside. He's got a lower floor than those guys by far. But I'm trying to win my league, and that's why I'm looking to draft Kyle Pitts. So we know he had 1,000 yards his rookie season, dealt with the knee injury last year, never played a game with Desmond Ritter yet because Ritter played the last four games last season. So hopefully Ritter can make Kyle Pitts into the tight end that we expect him to be, that unicorn type of player, and hopefully this is the year that it hits for him. And so Bijan Robinson, we're just rocking with him as a first-round pick, huh? The track record of running backs taken early in the first round, he was a top-10 pick in the NFL draft, uh, is very, very promising. You know, So you go back to the last one of of his caliber Saquon Barkley was the number two overall pick but uh just a phenomenal rookie season actually the best rookie season ever for a fantasy running back in PPR so I don't know if he has that type of upside but you know he's coming to a team that led the NFL in rush attempts last year the guy that he's replacing essentially uh Tyler Algier was a former linebacker at one point he got a thousand yards in the system Arthur Smith system is very very good very safe uh he was actually the office coordinator in Tennessee when Derrick Henry had his first 2,000 yard season so uh, there's a lot to like about the landing spot, the profile, the player, what he showed in college. He's going to be a good receiver out of the backfield as well. So, again, it's it's trusting Desmond Ritter, which is the most concerning part of this. But I think they're going to be very run heavy. And I think he's going to be absolutely smash his uh, his rookie campaign. And where has George Pickens been going? 
So Pickens is a mid-round pick. You know, you usually see him as early as round six, depending on how heavy your wide receiver draft, how heavy your draft is in wide receivers, which is, you know, kind of the trend. Uh, round seven is probably the sweet spot for him, but he's a high-end number three receiver for me. I would take Deontay Johnson first. He'll just get more targets, more opportunities. But Pickens is in that second-year breakout cat, you know, uh, range of guys who can, you know, take a huge step forward. And I think it'll be a lot of it touchdown-related because I don't think he's going to have a high volume of catches, but uh, a very productive second year is coming his way. All right, so Colts and Eagles tonight. Uh, I know Anthony Richardson's going to get a go tonight again after not playing the second preseason game. So give me some of what we're looking for tonight. Yeah, big test for him, you know, depending on how much the Eagles play their guys on defense, but that's one of the best defenses in the league. Um, I, I'm I'm excited. You know, I, I think I'd like to see, you know, some more involvement with Michael Pittman, uh, get some of his receivers going. You know, he had a, a sloppy mistake against Buffalo in the first preseason game, but I don't know how much of that was on him as opposed to uh, the, the route that was run. I think it was Buffalo. Uh, the route that was run in that game by Isaiah McKenzie. Um, but he bounced back. You know, he should have had a, a 42-yard touchdown pass to Alec Pierce. Um, just didn't come down with the ball, but uh, you want to see the playmaking ability. You know, if that shines through, um, I, I, I've said this stat a lot that if he just runs for 700 yards since 2010, there's been 16 times where a quarterback has rushed for just 700 yards. Forget about the passing, but 700 yards rushing. Every one of those quarterbacks, 19.9 fantasy points per game or more, which is basically a low-end starter. So um, if he's going to run for 800 yards, 900 yards, 1,000 yards, just keep racking up the, the fantasy production. He's got a world of potential. And then the other story is, you know, what's the backfield going to look like for the Colts? Because if Jonathan Taylor is traded, then who's going to be the guy that fills his shoes? Uh, Zach Moss is also banged up right now, so we're not going to see him. But Deion Jackson, Evan Hull, uh, you know, will they make a move to go get Kareem Hunt? That's certainly something that's out there. So keep an eye on the backfield also for Indianapolis. So since we last spoke, Jonathan Taylor has been granted permission to go seek a trade. What are we? What are we hoping for? You know, if if we already drafted Jonathan Taylor, is is that a good thing if he winds up being traded? And also at the same time, uh, what if they don't trade him? You know, what could we expect for him there in Indianapolis? I would hope that he just decides, okay, this is my fate, and I'm going to go out and have a good season, and you know, show them what they're missing. If I'm going to walk out the door and and make some team or even the Colts pay me, you know, if that's the the route he wants to go, you know, put all of his you know, production out on the field and all of his anger and frustration out there as well. So that would be the hope if he stays in Indianapolis. You know, I, I think the best case scenario, and, and obviously I'm, I'm sure you would have liked this, is that he says, I'm taking my talents to South Beach and he's going to be the next, you know, starting running back for the Miami Dolphins, um, you know, following <laughs> uh, LeBron James and, and and Lionel Messi and, you know, some great players that, that like to come play in one of the best places, you know, to live and certainly one of the best places for sports. Uh, it would, it would, it just makes too much sense. You know, Dolphins, while while they have a a capable backfield, they don't have a superstar back there. You know, Raheem Mostert's thirty one. Jeff Wilson's been a journeyman for a reason. You know, Devon A. Chain's now banged up, but he's a third round pick. He's obviously a little smaller. So, Jonathan Taylor with this team, you know, would would certainly make them even more of a Super Bowl contender. Uh, and for his fantasy value, I think it would spike because you know you, you just see Mike McDaniel's offense and another guy with speed that you put on the field, and I think his pass catching ability would be on display as well. So that'd be the ideal landing spot for me. At what pick do you have in your draft? Uh, I, I assume it's second round. At what pick in the draft do you say, wow, Jonathan Taylor, I don't know what his fate's going to be. He's still on the board. I got to take him. At this point, he's fallen to the third round, which is where I would prefer to draft him because just in case the, the worst case scenario is, and he doesn't you know, want to be the good Samaritan for the Colts if he doesn't get traded and says, you know, my ankle's still a problem. Keep me on the pup list and I'm not going to play the first part of the season because I want to make sure I'm right for when I get to the end of the year and you know, maybe heading into free agency. Um, 
you know, that, that, that to me is a little bit still a daunting proposition that he might, you know, decide to, uh, you know, stick it to the Colts a little bit and, and, and make things awkward and more uncomfortable. So uh, round three is the spot that I would be comfortable taking him. It's early round three. So we're splitting hairs, you know, when you get back to that round two, three turn, if you have an early first round pick, you know, it's probably a four or five spot difference. But um, the quarterbacks typically go in that range at the end of round two. You're still looking at Mark Andrews, some good tight end, excuse me, some good wide receivers. And at this point, I moved Joe Mixon ahead of Jonathan Taylor just because, you know, still safe as a starting running back for the Bengals. So Taylor, early round three is the spot for me. So let's assume that Jonathan Taylor does not, you know, if, if he is traded, it's not the Dolphins. The Dolphins ran the ball very well last week. Are any of the Dolphins running backs starting caliber fantasy football? I, I don't want to trust them as a starting caliber, you know, fantasy option, but I would not be afraid to do so if I have a strong wide receiver, tight end quarterback build, and I'm looking at a zero RB or hero RB approach where I have one running back or no running backs through my first five or six picks. So uh, Jeff Wall. Wilson's still my favorite of the trio just because I think age is on his side by comparison to Mostert. Um, it's another guy, you know, very similar to Mostert that, you know, comes from the Mike McDaniel system in San Francisco. So you don't really have to worry about that. Um, I know he's a little bit banged up right now, but it seems like he is a little bit safer and just as high a ceiling. Uh, Mostert is a, is, is a safe option as well from a, a draft standpoint, just because where you're getting him. Obviously, A-Chain, I think, would be the, the more fun option, but the fact that he's got the shoulder injury already and he was not running with the first team yet, you know, you, you might have been building toward that. This might have been the game where we see it, uh, the third preseason game. But at this point, I think you just got to put him third on, on the list of where the fantasy options are, but he could end up being the best of the bunch. So recently, and you can check out all of Jamie's work on CBSSports.com, and I see you did a little bit on the quarterbacks, quarterback sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So let, let's do a little bit of that here. Who are some of the sleepers? It's actually a, a pretty long list. You know, the, the two that I went with, I believe, were Daniel Jones and Geno Smith. Um, Jones is, it's funny because last year he did a great job, you know, 19.9 fantasy points per game. He's one of those guys that hit that 700 rushing yard mark. Actually, one of nine times in NFL history, a quarterback has gone for 300 passing yards and 700 rushing yards. And now you give him Darren Waller. And so this is the hope. You know, we saw this with Josh Allen, for example, gets Stephon Diggs and you see the the spike in production. You know, the Dolphins give to a tongue by low Tyree Kill. You know, so you're giving these young quarterbacks and I think he still qualifies as young, a premier playmaker. And Darren Waller, you know, a few years ago before the injuries was one of the best tight ends in football. I think he can still get back to that level as well. So he's not somebody you have to draft necessarily as a top 10 guy, but he's just outside the number one group for me. He's number 13. Um, I just love the potential of what he can do in Brian Dable's offense again with just better weapons around him. And then Geno Smith, it's just people like don't want to buy into the fact that he was really good last year. And now he gets another big playmaker. I know Jackson Smith and the Jigba is dealing with a wrist injury right now. And hopefully we'll be on the field the early part of the season, probably going to miss week one. Who knows how long this injury lingers, but DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Smith, Najigba, they're in the conversation for one of the best receiving cores in the league. And he did a great job. Like I said, last year was number five in total points was number nine in points per game. And you're getting hit basically as like QB 15 or later, depending on the site you're looking at. So when I draft to, uh, when I draft Anthony Richardson, some of the questionable number one quarterbacks. And the only reason I say that is because two is injury history and Anthony Richardson being a little bit suspect in his rookie campaign, these are two guys that I look to pair them with. And if one falters, I got another quarterback that should be really good. What about a few busts? So the busts, you know, comes down to value. And I know this is going to sound funny because my number one ranked back is Patrick Mahomes, but I'm not drafting him in the first round. Uh, you saw last year we're through top of the, uh, the point total list at the end of the season, Mahomes, Allen, and Hurts. And you're getting Mahomes. You have to draft Mahomes about 10 spots more than you have to draft those other two guys. Now, it's not realistic based on where you're drafting once you get one or two. 
but the trickle down effect now starts, you know. So I think Lamar Jackson didn't have a big season. We saw, you know, his his MVP his MVP season in 2019. He has the potential to get back to that if he stays healthy. We know that Justin Herbert fell off last year, but the two years prior to that was in the conversation to be a top three quarterback, 26 points per game in each of his first two years in the league. Justin Fields, with his running ability, is going to be better with DJ Moore on the field. So the value for quarterbacks is usually going to be mid to late as opposed to reaching for these guys early. And I get why people do it. It's safe. You know, you don't have to worry about injuries. They're successful. They're going to be the number one point getters. But it's not just necessarily taking those guys. It's what you're passing up on. And so, for example, the ADP on, on, on CBS Sports average draft position has Mahomes going ahead of Travis Kelsey. I would rather have a difference maker at tight end than I would a quarterback in that range. So I would rather have Kelsey than Mahomes. So Mahomes is a bust for me, uh, somebody that I'll pass on. And then our average draft position shows Aaron Rodgers as a top 12 guy. They have one of the worst schedules to open the season, really one of the worst schedules across the board. Um, offensive line might be the worst that he's played with because he had some amazing ones in Green Bay. The receiving core is interesting, but I don't know how much of an upgrade it is from what he had last year. Garrett Wilson is, is certainly better than anybody there, there was there in Green Bay, but then he brought all those guys with him. you know. So Lazard, Cobb, I don't think that necessarily improves things. It brings all the run the ball out as well. So uh, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking Take, for example, after Jones and after Geno Smith. That probably sounds crazy to say Aaron Rodgers after Geno Smith. Uh, <laughs> but for fantasy, that's the way it goes. Jamie Eisenberg, CBS Sports Fantasy Football, joins us every Thursday throughout football season, helping us get ready for our weekend's games. Excellent job, as always, Jamie. Tell everybody how they can listen to you and watch you. Yeah, check us out, cbssports.com, CBS Sports HQ. It's our 24-hour streaming network. And on August 30th on our YouTube page, uh, which is where you could also watch our Fantasy Football Today podcast, we have our Draft-a-thon to benefit St. Jude. We have a lot of fantasy guests around the industry coming on, a lot of our cast of characters. Uh, six hours, 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. to raise money for a great cause, but also getting you all set for all of your draft needs heading into a busy draft. Awesome. Thank you, Jamie. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, man. You got it, buddy. Thank you. Great job by Jamie Eisenberg, as always. And like I said, every Thursday here on Zaslow Show 2.0, you can catch Jamie giving us the best fantasy football advice out there. And again, all guests on Zaslow Show 2.0, everybody knows, are brought to us by the official beer of the program. And that, of course, is Johnny Cuba. Guys, if you're a homeowner like myself, one of the most important things is you have to make sure you have homeowner's insurance. And then the next question is, where are you going to get homeowner's insurance? Luckily for you, you're listening to Zaslow Show 2.0 right now, where you're going to get the best homeowner's insurance there is out there, because you're going to Brunt Insurance. Bruntinsurance.com. When you call 954-589-2204, you're getting the most affordable care, the most comprehensive coverage. Look, you're, there are things that you need as far as your homeowner's insurance coverage that you're not going to know about. You can't just go to Google and put in homeowner's insurance and think you're going to be able to figure this out. There's so many options out there. You got to make sure you get the right coverage. And when you call Greg Brunt and his team at Brunt Insurance, 954-589-2204, you're making the right call because his team has the expertise and the experience to find the perfect coverage for you. And that also includes comprehensive policies on both trailers and motorhomes. Maybe you need renter's insurance, or if you have a condo, condo's insurance. There's so many options out there to make your head spin. Luckily for you, Greg Brunt and his team at Brunt Insurance make the confusing, crystal clear, fully licensed staff. They're going to help you every step of the way. So no matter where you're calling from, 
954-589-2204 from Pensacola to the Keys and beyond. Brunt Insurance, they're giving you the solutions tailored exactly to your needs. I've been with Brunt Insurance, getting my homeowner's insurance from them for almost 10 years now. They got offices all throughout the state of Florida. Again, 954-589-2204, bruntinsurance.com. Now, it's Thursday. That means, that's right, another edition of Zaslow Show 2.0 Mailbag. Yes, anything anything goes. No question is off limits. So you guys can always hit me up on social media. You send the questions in. We get to it every Thursday. We shout you out. We love your participation. First question here. This is from Michael. And Michael is asking, which comes first? Panthers championship or Miami Dolphins championship? Now look. I think the Dolphins are going to be really good. And if the Dolphins are going to be really good, that means I think they're going to win the division. And if they win the division, then we're talking, you know what? A couple home games, a couple home wins, unless you get the bye in the first round. A couple home wins, then you're in the AFC Championship game. You only got to win three games, two of which could be at home, maybe all three, in order to get to the Super Bowl. The Panthers, we just saw in the Stanley Cup Final. So obviously... Super high expectations for both. For me, I would bet on the Panthers. I would. It's it's so it's so hard to win the Super Bowl. It's so hard to win. Stanley Cup's the hardest trophy to win, but we just saw the Panthers there. I think they're only gonna get better and better now. They have more years, more time together. Kachuk, we love him. I love him so much. I go the Panthers, Michael. This question here is from my man Wolfpack, Wolfpack Legion. Great listener, always hits me up on Instagram. And he's a, he's a huge Marlon fan. He's asking here, is Skip over his head? He means Skip Schumacher. Of course, the Marlins lost yesterday. They lost 4 nothing in San Diego, Sandy Alcantara. So they've lost the West Coast trip. They went 2-4. and four. Lost the series of the Dodgers after winning the first game. Lost the series of the Padres. They only won the middle game. They lost the rubber match. And so Sandy Alcantara, who, who had a very good outing yesterday... He, he never does this. He he bemoaned the run, lack of run support after the game. That's not on Skip Schumacher. You know, he can't get up there and hit for them. And here's the thing. You can't say Skip Schumacher did such an amazing job when the team was 14 games over 500. And now that they're just one game over 500 and still very much in the wild card race, now all of a sudden he's in over his head. You know where I stand on that kind of stuff because we talked about this with Mike McDaniel last year. I think Skip Schumacher's done a nice job. A coach or manager does not need to be a finished product in his first year. There's no reason to believe that Skip Schumacher, who's in his first year as a manager, is not going to continue to get better and better and better, just like players get better and better and better with more experience. So no, I do not believe that Skip Schumacher is in over his head. This question here is from my man Mike in West Palm Beach. Who do you love more, Messi or Kachuk? This is actually a very easy question. It's Kachuk. He feels like our guy. And I know he's only, I, I know both of them essentially have only been with the team for a year. But, and both of them, you know, I don't know if Kachuk has changed the franchise because the Marlins, uh, the Marlins, the Panthers are on their best run right now, making the postseason three years in a row. I don't count the 2020 COVID year. They were President's Trophy winner the year before he got here, and Messi has really flipped the team, uh, you know, over on itself and done a complete 180. But Kachuk feels like he's our guy. 
he's going to be here for a really long time. With Messi, Messi's not in his prime anymore, even though he's still amazing. And Messi feels we've rented him. He's, he's never going to be ours. Kachuk feels like he's ours. So I go Kachuk. This question is from my man Nick's Hex. He says, Zaslow, top three bands from the 90s not named Pearl Jam or Rage Against the Machine. Well, look, so when I say, when he says top three from the 90s, I assume we're talking about like they debuted in the 90s. So that's why I wouldn't say someone like Metallica, even though a ton of success in the 90s. I wouldn't say someone like Guns N' Roses, even though they had a ton of success in the 90s. So top three bands from the 90s not named Pearl Jam or Rage Against the Machine for me, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Nirvana. That's eh, not that difficult for me. You know that's my scene out there, Seattle grunge. He also had another question, Nick Sex. Do you expect a Heat or Panthers hangover early this season following the deep runs? I don't expect that from the Heat. I think it's possible from the Panthers because you got guys, Kachuk, of course, Brandon Montour, you got uh, Aaron Ekblad, you got guys who were playing through major injuries, and in the case of Kachuk, couldn't even play the final game, game five in the Stanley Cup final. So these guys are still recovering from off-season surgeries. And I know in Montour's case, I don't know that he's going to be ready to start the season. So I do expect a little bit of a hangover from the Panthers. That's what happens when you make a Stanley Cup playoff run. Your major injuries, the turnaround is tough. I expect it from the Panthers. Uh, This question here is from The Dude Abides. House is burning down. What are five albums you would save? Well, I mean, that's not the way it works anymore. We have everything on our phone. So I, I, I would save my phone so I could save all my albums. This question here is from C-Mac. That's C-McIntyre, 1972. Zaslow, I saw Fallout Boy last month. It's my daughter's favorite band. I only knew a couple of their songs, but I got to tell you, one of the best concerts I've ever been to. What are your feelings on them? Well, number one, that's always cool if you go to a show You didn't expect it to be any good, and it was amazing. That's happened to me before. That's always a lot of fun. Like, I remember, who was it? When, uh, you know, it was at a festival in Chicago. It was at Lollapalooza. And I didn't know, this is back in 07. I didn't know anything about King, uh, yeah, it was Kings of Leon. I didn't know anything about Kings of Leon. I was like, by the end of the show, this band is amazing. I love them. So that's always fun when that happens. My feeling on Fall Out Boy, I don't have any feelings on Fall Out Boy. I, I definitely only know one or two of their songs just like you. It's just not I, not someone I listen to. But that's always fun, man, when you, you don't expect anything out of the show and it ends up being a great time. And that right there is another edition every Thursday of Zaslow Show 2.0 Mailback. Let's get to Big Deal or Not a Big Deal. Big Deal or Not a Big Deal, always brought to us by Water Cleanup of Florida. If you're dealing with water, mold, or fire damage in your home or your business, is that a big deal? Maybe it's not a big deal. I don't know, but these guys are going to help you figure it out. You know I'm talking about Water Cleanup of Florida. Available to you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 954-900-8635, go to WCUFL.com. When unexpected damage occurs in your home or your business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. That's where Water Cleanup of Florida comes in. They know the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. And their objective, they make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida, 954-900-8635. Let them tell you if it's a big deal or not a big deal. 
Big deal or not a big deal? First up here. So, WWE Hall of Famer, Edge. He wrestled his, what looked like could be his last match ever in WWE. Maybe as a pro wrestler, it was last week in Toronto when he defeated Sheamus. But word has it, you know, the dirt sheets, you never know what to believe, that he told WWE what he would like if they want to re-sign him. They apparently are not giving it to him, and he could be headed for AEW. That's a big deal. I would like Edge to stay with WWE. I think it's cool, you know, like a, you know, Kobe Bryant or Dirk Nowitzki or Reggie Miller when you're you're identified with just one team, and that's Edge right now with WWE. So I hope they can work things out. That's a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal? I don't know what's going on with Colin Cowherd, but he's been making a lot of mistakes. And you know, the guy with him there, Jason McIntyre. Just brutal on television. But I don't know what's going on with Coward because he's one of the all-time greats and he's getting a lot of things wrong recently that he shouldn't be getting wrong. And so yesterday, he's talking, you know, he asked Bill Walsh or uh, Bill Belichick and he's giving Bill Walsh credit for winning a Super Bowl with Steve Young. Uh, In their prime, Bill Walsh or Belichick. One was a brilliant offensive innovator. Belichick. Well, he won more Super Bowls, but I gotta tell you something. Belichick won so many different... Bill ways. Walsh won Super Bowls, didn't he, with two different quarterbacks, Montana and Steve two Young. Two Hall of Fame legends. Okay, but well, okay, but he developed Steve. Steve Young did not. He was That's a fair. runner, not a thrower. Well, he was a really uh, He's a great. high-profile college quarterback. Yes, and, BYU, yeah. and then he went and played for yeah. the Tampa Tom Bay Brady. Bandits. I mean, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's one thing for Colin to make the mistake, and yesterday he made the mistake uh, two days ago with the Seahawks that they're in the AFC, but but then you got that, that dopey Jason McIntyre disagrees with him. Steve, uh, Bill Walsh retired, and it was six years later under George Seifert that Steve Young won the Super Bowl. 1994, I believe it was. But also, talk about how he he played for the Tampa Bay Bandits in the USFL. No, he didn't. He played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL, and he was in the USFL, but not the Tampa Bay Bandits. He played for Los Angeles. That's a ter- That's a big deal. A terrible job by Colin Coward and the dopey guy next to him. Big deal or not a big deal. So how about this? So Yankees radio, you got obviously the uh, all-time great. What's his name? Uh, oh, my God. The tip of my tongue. How do I forget his name? The all-time great voice of the New York Yankee, Yankees. Anyway, but Susan Waldman also up there in the booth. And Susan Waldman, who's the analyst. So stupid, I'm not remembering his name. Susan Waldman, of course, the analyst. And she gets caught on a hot mic during a, a station ID calling the Yankees board. You're good to go. Hi, this is Kyle Gashioka. Listen to every Yankees game on the Odyssey app. God, this is boring. Ah, uh, that's... Uh, Susan, come on. You, uh, yes, maybe your mic should have been off, but you know better than that. Anytime you're talking around a microphone, you got to assume that it's on. you got to assume it's hot. So I'm going not a big deal because she is Susan Waldman. It's not like she's going to get in trouble, but... Oh, come on, that's a bad look for everybody involved. Big deal or not a big deal? Finally, so Stephen A. Smith has got a little bit of a back and forth going on here with Lonzo Ball. Stephen A. Smith the other day talked about how Lonzo Ball, he heard that he can't even sit down. And then Lonzo Ball put out a video showing himself standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down, and putting Stephen A. on blast. Well, Stephen A. had to respond to that. Really going to sit poolside on the bench and think because you getting up and sitting down and getting up and sitting down, that makes you healthy. Does that have anything to do with running up and down a damn court for 30, 35 minutes a night? Come on, bro. 
Come on now. So that's all I'm going to say. You know, I, I'm like, I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm like, really? And then you got these idiotic trolls all over social media. And, and, and of course, you know, these websites, the Bleacher Report and others. Oh, he really tore into Stephen A. Don't you have the stats? Don't you know how many games he's missed? Hey, guys, don't y'all see me walking all the time? Don't you see me running around in here when I got to run from one room to another? Okay? I've had a cracked patella. I still got a six-inch screw on my knee. If I go on a basketball court and I play for 20 or 30 minutes, I got to ice my damn knee and I don't feel like playing for another month. Does that mean that I'm healthy? Really? That don't make, don't, don't let me get all up on, on in y'all. Okay? Stop the nonsense. I'm going not a big deal. You know Stephen A. loves this kind of stuff. He loves getting the content and then he can go back and forth and it gets lots of clips. That's good stuff right there. That's definitely not a big deal. And ultimately, Stephen A. is going to be proven right because Lonzo Ball is not going to play this coming season. So that is not a big deal. And that right there is another addition courtesy of Water Cleanup of Florida. Let them tell you, 954-900-8635, if it's a big deal or not a big deal. Yes! Great show today. How about that? Billy Corgan smashing pumpkins on the show. You got the fantasy football advice from Jamie Eisenberg. We got NFL Week 3 preseason games. You got a couple games. NFL Network and Prime tonight. Tomorrow's Friday. We're going to wake up and it's the end of the week. I'm doing ESPN Radio again tomorrow afternoon. So everybody make sure you get the good sleep tonight with sheets and giggles. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Thanks everybody who helped put together a great show today. Always appreciate your hard work. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Zaslow Show 2.0. You know what that means.